Well, it is 20 past 8 this morning on a Monday morning wake-up, shake-up, and usually we have Pennywise. Now, nothing changed this Monday morning. We have Wes Jr. again here. Good morning, Wes. How are you? Yes, I'm very well. How are you, Donnie? Very good, very good. How is East London? East London is uh, a little bit windy like it always is, okay. um, but it's so good to be here. Uh, it's lovely that we can still chat to you this morning. So it is Pennywise, and this morning we will discuss the process for winding up a deceased estate. So we are talking about this, and it's quite an interesting topic this morning. We have probably all heard stories about how this process can be quite lengthy, cumbersome, and bureaucratic, but I don't think too many people actually know the process that needs to be followed. So, can you just fill us in briefly? Yeah, I mean, certainly it can be quite a cumbersome process. You know, it's it's almost similar to a building project. It's going to take longer than you think, and it's probably going to cost more than you expect. Um, But luckily, there is this predefined process that is followed. So, there's a large amount of consistency when wrapping up these deceased estates. So the initial phase is always actually around securing the necessary documents. So mm-hmm. the first step, just to kind of give people an understanding of the process, is it's going to be reporting the death to the Department of Home Affairs okay. so that you can get issued death certificates. But luckily, this is generally done by the funeral parlor on your behalf. Mm-hmm. So all you really need to do is check that the details are correct. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, it's going to be getting a copy of the will. But that could be with a bank or with an attorney or with a financial advisor or with an investment house. There could be multiple copies. So that can be quite a difficult thing sometimes. And and then within the world, there's going to be a nominated executor of the state. And that's going to be the person who's going to ultimately be responsible for wrapping up or winding up the state. And often, that person can be a family member but they're still going to need to appoint an appropriately qualified person to complete all the legal requirements of winding up the estate. And Mm -hmm. as we kind of chat now and go through the process, I'm just going to try and insert some practical advice at each stage. So, you know, here, firstly, we've mentioned before, but it's so helpful to have actually let your next of kin know where your important documents are located, such as your will and your ID. And added to that, also like a list of your banking details, and you can hide them away and you can put it in your safe, but as long as they know where to access it, such as your your login uh, details or your passwords, because if you didn't have a life policy that can provide quick cash, quick access to cash for the family, if they are now going to be unable to access your bank accounts for, could be up to six months, it can just leave a huge kind of time delay in being able to access that money. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Sure, very interesting. And okay, so what you said there, we are at the point where the executor has been nominated in the will, which could be, like you say, now a family member or a professional, like a financial advisor or an attorney. What is their role and what would the benefit of having a family member as opposed to a professional be? So the first step for the nominated executor is that they have to come in and have a preliminary meeting with the family. They've got to check the will, they've got to establish who the beneficiaries and the heirs are and get a rough idea of all the assets and the liabilities and the policies that are relevant to this state. So the reason that it can help having a family member as an executor 
is that it's far easier to handle these kind of delicate family discussions in-house, you know, rather than having someone like a banker or someone that the rest of the family, they may not know or have ever met, um, come into that intricate circle and, and navigate the emotion of that situation. So then a second reason um, to have a family member appointed is that 99% of the time, they're not going to have the experience to wind up their state. So they are going to be appointing a professional in any event. But mm. then at least if in the world, a family member is appointed, they've got a choice as to who they want to use and they can negotiate the fees. So this is different to where like a bank or an attorney, when they go up the world, they often just appoint themselves as the executor mm. and then they're going to charge the full kind of three and a half percent, which they are entitled to charge, but that's the maximum amount. Okay. If family member has been appointed, they can approach various places and they can negotiate that fee. And that fee, it can be quite substantial. Look, it works out at about 40,000 rand for every million that the estate is worth. So again, my practical advice here is um, if a family member is appointed as an executor, look for a firm that potentially charges a rate based on the hours worked or the time spent, which, which is often a far fairer charge than percentage of assets. Hmm. So I like to use the example of transfer duty on a house. That's a percentage of the value of the house. But it's the same amount of work that the conveyancing attorney does, whether it's a 10 million rand house or a 1 million rand house or a 50 million rand house. The, the time that they spend doesn't change, but because of the fee or the transfer tax is based on the percentage, you pay far more for the same amount of work. So, but similarly, you know, when wrapping up a state, there's not a vast difference in the, sure. in the time that you spend doing a 10 million rand estate or 20 million rand estate, but if the fee is based on percentage, that's, a, that's almost a half a million, that's a 400,000 rand difference in fee. Yes. So that's why sometimes just practically, it's so helpful to look for a firm that will charge based on time spent rather than percentage of assets. That is so interesting, Wes. Um, I must tell you, I've never known this part of it, and I think it's definitely worth just looking into and finding out more. So I'm glad that we have you discussing this this morning. So, okay, once we have the executor appointed, what is the process from there? Is that the hard work done or is the hard work still ahead of us? Yeah, I think that most people would almost think, okay, cool, we've got the world, the executor's appointed like it's imminent. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I'm just going to go through briefly like kind of the process that needs to happen. Um, so this is now where the professional expertise of the executor come into play, knowing the procedure to follow, the legal requirements. But some of the main functions that they are going to need to do now, they're going to have to open up a separate bank account. They're also going to have to report the estate to SARS. And um, death is actually a, a trigger for a whole bunch of taxes. So they're going to have to then go and complete some outstanding tax returns. They're going to have to pay some tax liabilities. And then they're going to have to gather a whole bunch of documents, IDs, certified copies of IDs of beneficiaries, marriage certificates, the will, life Mm. insurance policies, investment policies, birth certificates, divorce orders, maintenance agreements. You can see there's there's just a stack of potential um, documents that they need. And any delay in these can cause just a a delay in the winding up of the state. Yeah. Again, maybe just some practical recommendations, yes. Um, we would always recommend 
that your financial advisor be your point of contact or your executor because the bulk of these documents are going to be sitting with them. Exactly, in yes. Often your, your banker is not going to have a summary of your insurance details or your life policies or your retirement policies. And a good financial advisory practice is going to ensure that there's this central repository of all these documents. And, and so we've discussed all this, but there's still a lot of waiting mm. to do. So briefly what will happen is the executor must advertise the estate in a local newspaper for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to draw up kind of final accounts, which they call the liquidation and distribution accounts. They then need to lodge those with the master for 15 days to allow for queries. And once the master said, right, you can go ahead, they then need to advertise those final accounts in the newspaper again for a further 21 days to allow for objections. So you can see that if everything goes smoothly, there's almost two months of just waiting. Sure. Yeah, that uh, seems like quite a time-consuming and complicated process. Mm. Um, what is some of that last practical advice you can give us uh, for someone and just to make this whole process easier? Yeah, I think that the last thing would be to almost just be, to need a mindset of being proactive about planning your estate. I think it's far too easy to almost have that ostrich head in the sand you know, this is not going to be my problem and I don't want to really have to deal with this until it becomes something that I'm forced to deal with. Mm. So, one, you know, just a simple thing. One of the biggest factors in making sure that your beneficiaries are provided for is making sure that there's enough cash in your estate to actually bequeath everything that you want to to your beneficiaries. It's so easy to end up in a situation where the house that you want to leave to your children needs to be sold to pay for fees and to pay for taxes and you're almost only able to pass on the dregs of what, what you originally intended to your kids. So my advice would be just go and visit an advisor that can draw up your plans that you can see it while you're still alive in front of you. You can see exactly how things will pan out and you can have peace of mind that the will and everything is in order instead of hoping that everything will be fine after your death. You just rather go you know, be proactive about that Wes, I'm listening to you now and, and the thing is, just like you said be proactive, then you can really get that headache out of the way because it is a lengthy and it can be a lengthy and a, um, a really cumbersome type of um, event and thing that hits that's ahead of you when something like this happens, but you can wrinkle it out and you can smooth it out with someone like Wes so if you want to know more and you want some practical steps, how to just handle this you can contact him it's wesley at multitrust.net otherwise his details also on our facebook page you can go and have a look there um, this is just to find out exactly how your will works in order to to get the fees that you want and at the end have a fair type of fee charge there so wes thanks a lot again this morning so interesting next week we'll be back with another pennywise moment thanks a lot wes and good luck enjoy east london Yo, thank you. Yo, I'll see you guys again next week. Perfect. Cheers. Bye-bye.